0: Hi, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya. Welcome to podcast number 59. My guest for this podcast is my friend Joey Burns from the band Calexico. Joey and I talked on a very precarious day for the US, November 4th, which is a day after the US presidential election. So we didn't really know what was going to happen. I guess we still don't 100% know uh, what's going to happen. And today is the 23rd of November. Um, Yep, yikes. Anyway, Joey and I tried not to dwell on the election or COVID too much, but there's obviously a little bit of that chat But we also talk about Willie Nelson, collaboration, parenting, lyric writing, and the Tweety show amongst other things. So strap yourself in for a nice chat. Um, I think there are some swears. So be careful if listening with children, please. Uh, I do not want to be responsible for them learning their first bad word. Obviously, Joey did not swear because he's far too polite for that kind of thing. Uh, Joey's strange show story was illustrated or rather molded by my amazing friend, Lara Canfield, and it's possibly the cutest thing I've ever seen. You can follow Lara on Instagram at lalalian, which is L-A-L-A-L-I-A-N. She's a very creative lady who does a plethora of amazing arts and crafts. Uh, So follow her on Instagram if you'd like to. As always, you can see all these podcast illustrations on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. If you feel like it, go and leave me a review on iTunes. You know, it's not compulsory only if you feel like it, but it helps people be able to find the show uh, if you leave a nice one. So that would be lovely. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Hearsay Podcast, episode number 59 with Joey Burns.
1: You look good. I like your shirt. It's a good one.
0: Thank you. It's a, it's actually a dress.
1: See, that's what happens.
0: I know. You just, you never know the full picture.
1: <laughs> I know. It's a, It's just a little slice, but you look great. It's good to see you. Your home studio office is off the hook. Wow.
0: It's a synthesizer spaceship.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You got some nice vintage ones. Is that a Yamaha on the right or on your left? Yeah. That's cool.
0: That's a Yamaha CS70M, yeah. which is what they made after the, after the CS80. I think I might have talked to you about that before. I
1: think we did have that chat. How's your lap steel doing over there?
0: Ah, oh, it's good. Can you see it?
1: Yeah.
0: I'm so bad at it. Perfect. I need some lessons. No. Maybe you can give me some internet lessons.
1: Well, I think I told a friend of mine um, who picked one up many years ago. I said, just listen to Hank Williams and see if you can pick out some of those licks yeah and um you know simple lap steel is great you know most people just can make the spooky soundtrack noises pretty easily so i'd say go there first
0: that's that's all i can do just one big slide (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah when you play lap steel or pedal steel do you have it in an open tuning or do you have it like normal guitar tuning
1: I haven't touched a lap steel in a long time, and I've never touched pedal steel without permission from those who are uh, (laughs) NASA-approved spaceship cosmonauts. Um, Yeah, I I love the instrument so much. Um, I have profound respect and admiration for those who climb on board and play it. Uh, but I, do, I I have messed around with lap steel. And, of course, open tunings on guitar are fun just doing a regular slide. And for that, um, you know, sky's the limit.
0: Yeah. I'm wondering, because mine's in an open tuning, I wonder if that's the easy road, that's the best thing to do.
1: Well, I think you can just sort of get crazy and 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 you can come up with whatever tuning kind of feels good and see what your strings can take. I'm sure there's, you know, a wealth of information Available out there, but so
0: what you're saying is you're not the wealth of information I was hoping for. I really am not.
1: <laughs> I'm you're being the, very pragmatic. I'm just the welcome mat <laughs> to all who want to go there to Lap Steel Heaven. Gosh, the last time I tried it, I thought, okay, yeah, I'll see what I if, if I can remember anything. And you know what it is? It's it's your left hand if you're if you're right-handed that your left hand has all of is carrying. The whole ball, right? I mean, you have to be able to like, okay, if you want to use vibrato, how are you going to, you know, what are you going to use? Are so you going to use a bar? Are you going to use a, you know, a rounded, um, whatever they call that, bar? There's like several types, right? And so I think that is where the tone's coming from. And so some people really have, and it takes time too. So I climbed back on one thinking it would be easy. And it was like, oh this is embarrassing. <laughs> and I was in a <laughs> session I'm like, you know, I don't think I really hear this on the song anymore. Why don't we try uh, yeah, keyboard <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Just like totally. look over there, shiny object, throw this thing away. Get rid of here. Totally. Get rid of this lap steel.
0: I've definitely tried to use it on songs and gone, ah, oh, maybe not today.
1: Yeah. It's challenging. You know, I, when I moved to Tucson in ninety in the early nineties, um, I really enjoyed buying old Santo and Johnny albums. And that was the, the brother. It's like a duo of brothers, um, Santo and Johnny. <laughs> and, uh, I think the last name is Farina and they had incredible songs. Most notable was sleepwalk, right? That's the song that's played in the, in La when, uh, the aircraft carrying big bopper, buddy, Holly, and, uh, Richie Bowen, sorry. The other guy. Yeah, main guy of the movie. Yeah. Uh, When they die in the the plane crash, that's the song that you hear.
0: I think it automatically makes a sad sound. It's always a bit morose when you hear a slide.
1: Even if it's played well, Um, it's sad.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, hey, I... I'm talking to you on a very complicated day for the U.S. We're sort of waiting for election results to come in. Yeah. I feel like that it's been really difficult not to be glued to the news, even in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling about it? I mean, I, I don't know when this is coming out, but we're talking on the 4th. And yeah. how? what are your feelings about it?
1: Well, um, it is complicated in that... It's uh, it's unfortunate that there's uh, more racism and bigotry uh, out here in the United States than I'd like. That's the, yeah. that's the that's the hardest news to swallow, um, and that it's uh, a lot of votes for Trump, um, a lot of families divided, mine yeah. um, included. It's it's really difficult. Uh, so I've seen the word education. Uh, you know, underlined. And, um, I do believe that, uh, Biden and Harris will win and I hope that in the future we look back. And that is true. Um, yeah, I've been talking with friends and looking online at things. And I got a phone call yesterday from, uh, a friend of mine who was a commander on the space shuttle. His name is Mark Kelly. Oh, wow. And he was running for Senate in Arizona. And he called me yesterday while I was outside raking leaves with my daughters. Um, and he said, Hey, uh, How's it going? I go, wow, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? He goes like, well, <laughs> I feel pretty good. You know, I feel confident that, that I'm going to win. And then my daughter said, like, who'd you vote for? And he's like, I voted for myself. Great. <laughs> but uh, he did win, which is great. And he asked if there was a song of Calexico's that could be used as his walk-on music. And I said, of course, Aww. whatever you like. And uh, so it was just nice talking to him again And before That's his so big nice. night of victory.
0: Yeah. What song did he pick? Do you know?
1: Uh, Crystal Frontier.
0: That's beautiful. What a nice time yeah. to be involved in something. But
1: especially since I've moved from Arizona to Idaho.
0: That's right.
1: And there's a lot that I miss about our home in Tucson, Arizona. And most importantly, it's just the friends. And, um, and our band got involved with Gabrielle Giffords and Mark Kelly and, and a lot of great people and causes down in Arizona. It's a really beautiful place. And Idaho's Idaho's good, too. We're getting to slowly meet people here, although with COVID-19, it's very difficult. And we've been very cautious.
0: Brutal time to move in the um, middle of it all.
1: Yeah, but I think that in general, like the planet itself, there's a lot of work to do, right? Your country, my country, a lot of countries. And I think that what I've learned is that I can do more. And so I got more involved on this election. I hand wrote a bunch of postcards and signed on some letters and sent them to voters in Florida and Texas.
0: Those didn't um, work, Joey.
1: I know. (laughs) So believe me, I I was thinking about that a lot. But I was so happy to get involved because it, it really helped to do something analog.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good.
1: In a time when we can get lost easily. And I think part of the problem with our society right now at the moment is that we are lost in a digital uh, in a digital realm. And we've gone from our society being more, at least over here in North America, being more we-based and being more self-based. Yeah. And so um, that's, I think, a big part to it. There's other factors, of course. I don't have all the answers, but... Um, I've been thinking about it a lot and talking with my wife about it and friends. And
0: That's right. We've been talking about it a lot here too. And it yeah. is very scary. But I don't, I don't want to... Um, linger on u.s election results yeah. too much okay. i really would like to t- talk to you about music
1: <laughs> yeah i know it's um, great i'm s- I have lots of questions too
0: do you <laughs> well i'm really excited to talk to you because i feel like i've known you for quite a while now my brother did front of house for you in australia a few times and we met through him.
1: Can, can we can we give Mirko a uh, shout out?
0: Hi, Mirko.
1: Hi, Mirko. I think about Mirko a lot because I live much closer to Mirko now than that's I ever right.
0: have. <laughs> He's in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: I've gone from the southwest to the northwest. I am. I'm not that far from the Canadian border, and he lives just a hop, skip, and a jump away. And uh, with all that's been going on, especially in in the United States of America, <laughs> my wife and I think about. Uh, people like your brother and 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 our friends who live in vancouver
0: yeah well hopefully you can hop skip and jump over there soon maybe,
1: maybe we can meet up there yes yeah well let me know That'd when be so nice my brother-in-law lives in just north of seattle we could have coffee at the border
0: that would be lovely
1: we could go to tim hortons <laughs> yes
0: have a donut
1: yeah right
0: um <laughs> i i feel lucky enough to have been able to see you guys play live quite a few times now and i think your power is not only in songwriting but communicating with an audience and putting on this really entertaining beautiful show and there's always a lot going on you must be really missing it this year
1: yeah for sure yeah i feel a little lost um and i miss my my touring friends a lot um Our band and crew, especially the crew in in Europe, uh, we have a little chat group and so we've been writing each other a lot, especially around the election, but just through birthdays and holidays and whatnot, we just keep in touch and uh, and everybody is super talented and awesome in their own way and it's just nice to kind of keep in touch like that. It's, you know, uh, it's really been a lifeline for me. Oh, I mean, the live shows are great. I, I really miss that. And I think live shows for us are really informative and sort of uh, they really inspire what we what we do next in a way. And um,
0: what are you going to do next?
1: That's, that's <laughs> the question. We did cobble together some recordings. So we have an album coming out in December.
0: Yes, a seasonal album.
1: Yeah, it is a seasonal and sort of a, a solstice The winter solstice thing, a couple cover songs, some originals.
0: Yeah, so tell me about that. That's coming out soon.
1: Yeah, it's called Seasonal Shift. It's coming out early December, I think December 5th. You know, for someone like me, I'm not really technically savvy. So it was nice to have some uh, friends come up to Boise and stay in an Airbnb rental house with a big, huge open floor plan where they had their own uh bedroom and bathroom, my two buddies and um and then we made music in the middle, and we all wore masks and um we cooked and mostly ate there and washed our hands all, all the time yes. and made and made some music and then we sent those tracks to everybody around the planet
0: beautiful do you think that maybe that is the future of recording is just uh sending doing it through sort of correspondence maybe
1: I think in some ways. It's been there already, and, yeah. and it sh- certainly is nice to be able to do that, right? I mean, I, I did a yeah. record with a, with a friend, uh, his name is Amos Lee, and and we were going to get Willie Nelson involved, and of course, there was no way that he was going to fly to Tucson, and there wasn't a way for us all to fly out to Hawaii, where he was, oh. so he went to a studio and, and he recorded his parts, which were great. But unfortunately, they were recorded at the wrong uh, sample rates. So when we played oh, it back, no. it sounded like, instead of Willie, it sounded more like Mickey, like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and I was, I took a weekend off to go down to Mexico with my wife and, and some friends and, and I got the call and, like, oh. and they were freaking out and everyone was bummed out. And I'm like, well, you know, just chill out. I'll be, I'll be back on Monday. And I just came out said, "Why don't we just record to Willie's speed? Like, let's just re-record exactly. a version of that same song, and it'll be, it'll be sort of like this campfire version. It'll be acoustic, and, uh, and it and it wound up working great. And and so we had this really pivotal song. We had like the full band version without Willie, and then we had like a kind of like a, a reprise of that song later on acoustically, very minimal great. with uh, with Willie." That's the thing, you know, you can approach everything in life, Uh, you can find obstacles everywhere you look, but if you sort of um, focus on a positive aspect to whatever situation there might be, you you can find something to work with, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: For the most part. For the most part.
0: Solutions.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm talking generally here, but so that's my outlook for everything. Yeah. You you know me, I'm sort of a positive person and... um,
0: Very positive.
1: But I think that's a good example of kind of like, you know, finding, you know, potentially difficult situation and be like, well, let's just look at what we have and then assess and see what we can do with those parts.
0: That's great.
1: And that's the way I look at politics or music or cooking.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Parenting.
1: (laughs) Oh, that uh, parenting by far is the biggest somebody listening oh somebody closed the door on me. there's me. <laughs> oh, parent there's rude. parenting in a nutshell know, <laughs> yeah. the door's closed I'm locked in now
0: but you've got twin girls have you been doing any writing with them do they get into your world a little bit
1: yeah well to me it's 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 more the other way around and that is again like this symbolic gesture of, of parenting is it's not about me it's about them and so I you know you would think okay well there might be an approach that I, that I think would work, but I, I will quickly find often that it is not the way. So I just try to just be around and, and offer support without making any facial gestures or reactions or doing yeah. or saying much at all. But yeah. when this whole COVID-19 started, we sat around the kitchen table because they weren't at school and we're like, well, let's just have a long lunch then, okay. And so we got some paper out and I got my guitar and we wrote some cool songs. And then we wrote about spring and uh, we tried some different approaches to songwriting. We, uh, we folded up some paper and I wrote on, you know, wrote three lines, folded it so they couldn't see it, passed it to the next person. And that was really cool. And That's then, um, yeah, Twilight has a song called Ride Downtown. And it was re- super cute. Oh my gosh! I'll send it Aww. to you. It's, I'll yes, ask it. I'll ask her permission first. But it's a super cute song. And Genevieve, we took this uh, like this pretty popular song, this pop song about my boyfriend's in Havana, da-da. and uh, it's all about rhyming with Havana in Atlanta. <laughs> and we we changed it from minor to major. Ooh. And then we wrote new words. And she wanted to write something that was positive. So it was all about rainbows and um, and you and me and everyone. Oh,
0: that's beautiful.
1: And it's... I'll send you that one, too. It's an amazing song. It's so... I mean, it's... I love that tune. I and mean, I would normally never be able to write something like that. Yeah. And that was just... It was fantastic.
0: I love that. Have you been feeling pressure to create seeing we're all at home and have more time and we're not on tour
1: most definitely i i i have much like everyone else i have you know that inner voice that says how come you're not doing this and how come you're doing that how come this isn't like that um i had that all the time so
0: bad oh my god
1: i know I, i i do too and and so that's why it was great to have sergio mendoza come up as well as yeah. our, our friend Chris Schultz who engineered to just make some music and and it the collaboration is what kind of gets me going. And yeah. Otherwise I'll play sad piano all day long and then <laughs> then it's time for dinner and then my kids look at me like, Can you it's nice what you're doing, but it just it's so sad all the time.
0: It just Aww. makes me feel sad. I'm
1: like, I know it's <laughs> it's my meditation. So um Aww. yeah, so I try to I don't know, I I don't really play that much music and I don't really write a whole bunch of stuff until I'm sitting in a in a room with someone else and okay, we're gonna sit down and make some music.
0: So you don't really do it much on your own at all? I really don't. That's so interesting. Has you, have you always been like that?
1: No. I mean I've I've recorded four track by myself when I was in college and high school and and then I had a Sony Walkman cassette player that I would record sketches on. And now I record on this lame ass thing. And it just, there's no fun in going back and scrolling and looking for yeah. songs and stuff. It's just it's just not fun yeah. for me as much, you know. Um, I have an app now. It's called Spire. And John and I were given a little controller device. And it's helped out. but. I can get some stuff done, but I just can't get the. I don't know. I just can't get the focus together.
0: Yeah, you you feed off the energy of others, and that's a I, beautiful thing. You have you know, it. You've yeah. You've got so many amazing people in your life that you've been riding with forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it must yeah. be weird not to be around them all the time.
1: It's hard. And it's also inspiring when when they're like, hey, come on, Uh, we just recorded some stuff. Like Sergio and John and some other friends have this project called Morning Songs, and they're beautiful. And I just, they sent me a song, hey, can you just do a vocal on this? I'm like, I want to, but I just can't do it. And then I did this Christmas thing, and then I felt guilty that I did that, and I didn't finish the song for the Morning Songs, so...
0: Oh, I mean, I think we're all just doing our best at the moment. You put your energy yeah. where, where you can at the time. And, I mean, I, I say this out loud and I definitely yeah. suffer from all those things that you just said. It's just a tricky time.
1: It's a tricky time. And then how mm. do you find peace? Um, yeah. You know, peace of mind, peace of heart. And uh, I I feel very grateful and I'm, I'm humble with all that, you know this beautiful family and this home and we made, this, we made the move from Tucson to Boise, Idaho yeah. safely during a pandemic and, um, and so I know I trust the process yeah. of creativity and I trust in, hey, as soon as I get to a place or a room or even if we were to sit down here and just start you know, sketching, I know that yeah. we could come up with something really cool and that it's good to know that that exists and that gives me hope right
0: great yeah
1: and uh, so I love you know every now and then I'll get on the phone and talk with somebody and that that really brightens my day but it seems like it's been like months and months since I've had like a lot of interactions so I don't know about you
0: I definitely felt like that for a while but in we're so lucky in in Queensland in Brisbane um we haven't had any cases for ages and so oh, amazing. Some, in some areas you go you wouldn't even know there's there's the pandemic you know that's cool so it's really good but it, it also makes you feel bad for everybody you know you're like yeah. privileged in a way
1: that is a that's a big word right there privileged and entitlement those are some big words these days
0: That's right. And I, that's like my worst nightmare is to, Mm -hmm. to take advantage of either of those things or identify as either of those things. Yeah. Um, I always want to make sure that I'm, that I'm keeping other people in my mind and my heart and
1: you do a good job of that from what I could tell. Thank you. And I, I've, I've been on the receiving end of your gifts and just the presence of, you know, hanging out and getting to chat is always great. You know, you have and that's why we need each other. Right? We need to kind of, those are the things that get us through darkest times.
0: Definitely. Is friendship. just the,
1: the spark of friendship. You know, like as far as what am I going to do next? You know, the last couple of records, you know, I love touring in Europe, right? Um, it's a great place to go and the audiences there are really open-minded. I think about the United States and I think still more work to do here, not just in regards to like shows and, whatever you know whatever the job part is it's not to me like that doesn't matter anymore what's more important is like how am I going to connect with people like where are the Mm. people that I can find some more commonalities well taking the last four years this last presidential election in 2016 as an opportunity like we need to spend more time here touring the states reaching out to communities and it's hard to get that going. There are some friends of mine. There's this is a group called Las Cafeteras from Los Angeles, who are just incredible musicians and artists. And the way in which they network and and reach out to kids and schools across the United States, playing music and getting them involved in a way that is just—it's um, very—it's—it's uh, it's very contagious. It's such beautiful uh, energy and. And you see how they kind of get in; they they react with kids, and um, but they do an incredible job. They're not just playing music. Their goal is to really change the world. That's been sort of a side theme for me in our band, but it's it's not been a focal point. I mean, I just I'm a fan of a lot of different kinds of music, and so there's a lot of themes and and sounds and and guests that pop up. You know, like RK Fire has a new song, and I really liked it a lot. Um, I just saw a clip of it, and I I love it. I mean, it's great. It's a great tune, and it's very literal, like, you know, as far as the message. And that's great, and that's important, especially, I mean, you can't take it for granted. But I still really love you know, good abstract poetry or, or metaphors or storytelling. I still love that. And I think storytelling is my favorite way of giving someone else a, a perspective that's different than their own and taking them somewhere.
0: Absolutely. And you do that so much in your songs. You, you're a great storyteller.
1: Yeah, we use music as storytelling ingredients as well as, as the words and stuff. And I try to mix it up too, right? Because um, you know I, I like variety, and that'll mm. and I think that's an important thing.
0: Well, can we talk a little bit about your songwriting? So I'm really interested in like how you come up with your characters, or if you're always writing from the point of view of characters, or if it's sometimes you are the character.
1: It's a mix of all those. So early on, uh, it was way more self-conscious. As far as writing and also singing, I sang really quiet and almost whispering. And um, and then I just was touring more. So uh, as my voice sort of, you know, became more developed or I grew into it more and I tried different things. Also, I think... When you tell yourself, like, I'm never going to write, like, a personal love song. I just don't need to do that. There's enough of that out there. And then you find yourself, like, I really just, I'm tired of doing sort of, like, either storytelling, abstract character, or or mm. just abstract lines. I just want to, like, say, I love you. And I want you to know that I need you. And yeah. that was the last record. I wrote a song like that. So whenever you tell yourself, I'm never going to do one thing, you'll pretty much wind up at that at that destination. So... <laughs> I like to mix it up, you know, and I don't really have one way or another of writing songs, but normally I'll start with the music and the tone and the mood of the music really dictates where the lyrics might go. And so the easiest stuff for us to do is write sort of really ambient, uh, mid-tempo kind of music to slower tempo. It becomes almost soundtrack-like and... It's usually pretty easy for me to carve out a melody and then I just kind of go and and whatever kind of things are in my mind or on my radar at that time, whether it's, you know, Tarahumara Indians who are being forced to, uh, they're known for being long distance runners and with little or no footwear. And the indigenous tribe in, Mm. you know, northern Mexico to the border of Arizona. And so they're being, you know, basically forced to run drugs uh, for the, you know, for the narco uh, cartel in Mexico. You know, so hearing about their story and then kind of writing from maybe one of one of the tribe's perspectives, you know, what would that be like? You know, love the run, but not the race all alone in a silent way, you know, trying to, you know, so I'm, I'm writing, I'm kind of a narrator in a way. I'm not really, it's not first person. It's just, I'm just kind of writing about my feelings about what that might be like. So it's uh, kind of tapping into that. And, um, and then I'll write a song like on the same record that's called sunken waltz. And I'll write about, uh, you know, kind of like the West and the resources that are rapidly, kind of being tapped out like water and and land and electricity and stuff Mm. so but that one is kind of in a different style right
0: yeah but do you think that your themes and your your songwriting might change a little bit now that you've changed scenery in terms of you're not living in the desert anymore i feel like so many of your songs are like you know you can sense that desert vibe
1: for sure, and you know, I I definitely embraced it because um, before I moved there, there were a lot of bands that that sort of that you know that the regionalism sort of influenced them to a certain degree, um, but not in a way in which I I saw that was interesting. Combining sort of like sort of like the soundtrack aspect to uh, like folklore influences from Mexico and um, and nearby southern arizona so i thought that you know this kind of appeals to me on many different levels and at that time and um one of the things that's also been sort of on my radar is just where i grew up on the west coast and this this notion of the ocean so um you know like i had a song 2012 called miles from the sea and when i traveled down to south america to chile and and we were kind of like a couple days off. So we went and hung out in uh, Pablo Neruda's house in Santiago de Chile, the capital. And then we drove down through the vineyards to the coast to Valparaiso and went to another one of his homes there. And I mean, just being on the Pacific, you know, I missed it. And uh, I wasn't that, uh, Tucson's not that far, it's only eight hours drive inland from the coast. And so, you know, the music and like of the influence of ocean and desert to me are sort of uh yin and yang and there's they fit well together. And now I'm just in high desert with uh yeah. you know, there's a river running through town that has water actually running in it. Whereas in Tucson, there's no water for the most part mm. in the Santa Cruz river in the heart of Tucson. I don't think that it's going to change much. Um, I think that I'm also open for, doing another project that is not called Calexico, just to easily transform into new identities, you know? And I think that's really important. I learned that early on when we were in a band with uh, this band called Giant Sand, and we did this project with Lisa Germano called OP8. And it was really fun. And all of a sudden, it kind of gave us the opportunity, like, hey, we don't have to, you know, play these roles that we've played in the last um, however long you know, before we could just do whatever we want. And it was really fun and liberating. I
0: mean, you definitely have that sort of Latin South American mariachi thing in Calexico, but then you also have like a pretty indie rock sort of uh, <laughs> stuff that going on as well. I've, I think, I mean, Calexico could probably yeah, do anything. Totally. And it would be still Calexico. Without a doubt.
1: Yeah. And I, I think we've we've continually mixed it up so that, those people who like the whole picture of, 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 this band, um, they're willing to, you know, taste test anything for the most yeah. part. And, and for the live shows, people really, en- from what I gather, people enjoy the fact that there's new guests kind of each tour or Absolutely. so, and that those guests may be the support band or support artist, And then there's, collaboration that occurs throughout the night and that to me yeah you know where whether it's John and I back in up, you know Gabby Moreno on her set and then her joining us throughout our set I mean that has been a really beautiful thing that just again comes naturally
0: yeah that's I mean that's one of my favorite things about Calexico mm-hmm. I think is that um, you always have such amazing musicians and it just feels like such a nice community um, you just played a Little um, online show in a cafe in Boise, mm-hmm. and I was watching it, and I was thinking about your community in terms of like you have. I think you have a really nice online community as well. You have a really nice fan base, and you're quite often online. Like you have, you do little live videos, and is that something that's helped you sort of stay in touch with people, like or stay connected? Because I feel like yeah. so much of your show, like when you're playing live, is you're like you're always connecting and you stick around and talk to people afterwards and is this helping? Like is the online thing filling a little bit of a void?
1: Yeah, I think to a certain degree, you know, and um, it helps to connect with different people from around the world and and um, and just to kind of show them, yeah, this is what we're thinking, this is what we're doing. Um, mm. And we've been fortunate to have things to present, like, hey, we are going to put out this record and, uh, but I like, I like connecting with people. And I think that is a, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. And whether it's on tour or online, I like it to a certain degree. I never got into Facebook. It just felt like, um, it just a really hard format to get into. And, um, I just didn't want to go down that path when it started and, not um, for everybody and i've I've enjoyed Instagram, and I think it's pretty good. i I have noticed how it's changed, and there's a lot more strange videos that kind of pop up, whatever the algorithm <laughs> thing is happening. there's more It's just like more violent video things I'm like what's that oh, doing? Yeah. Why is that showing up here now yeah. and And of course, with the u s uh, presidential election, there's more sort of people popping on saying whatever, and um yeah. And Twitter, I've been enjoying more just going to read. And I don't, I don't post a lot. Um, and I have friends who, who definitely do. Mm. And that could be entertaining to a certain to a certain point. But I like going there and reading and, and finding news sources internationally.
0: Yeah. I have that's recently um, put a time limit on my social media on my phone. Yeah, that's, you're smart. helped me. <laughs> anyway, that's really smart. It's helped me not get obsessed.
1: I think that one of the things that's you know, as far as that focus and that shift from a you know inclusive society to everybody to just the self, I think a lot of that is you know, um, has been affected by social media. So totally. and I and I can tell because uh, yeah. it affects me, and and then I'll find myself you know. I'm supposed to be tucking in the girls, but then there's Jeff Tweedy's family having yes. a live show or talk in their home, I know. and I'm like, what? what is going on? What, what, what are they talking <laughs> about? And it's it's interesting because I am a fan of, of his work, and, and it's just interesting seeing another family inside dealing with certain, you know, parameters. Absolutely. So I mean,
0: you and I have talked about how much we love the Tweety show and just yeah. the Tweeties in general. They're all yeah. so likable and so Sammy fun. is blowing me away. I mean yeah. man, wow.
1: He's incredible. I know. Great voice and
0: I know. Everybody's so talented.
1: I knew Susie back when we first started. She she had a club called Lounge Jackson in Chicago.
0: That's right. So that's and, Jeff Tweedy's wife Susie yeah,
1: yeah yeah and so we played there and we had we played a couple of times and it was so much fun and and we hadn't seen each other in many many years so I just wrote her saying hey I really enjoy seeing this thank you for doing it I didn't know it existed I and mean, they have like some hundred shows cataloged now but
0: yeah um
1: I really enjoy hearing his his songs a lot they've helped me out
0: yeah me too. I feel like that. That as soon as I found out about the Tweety show, and I think I I found out about it pretty early on, mm-hmm. it helped me so much because we were in lockdown then too. It was yeah. really getting me through the day. So in Australia, it was on at, at midday. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, that's I would cool. watch it at, at, while I ate lunch. Yeah, <laughs> and it was great. It really yeah. made my made my day.
1: And that's you know, as far as songwriting, I mean. He's a great songwriter, but he's also, he's able to, I think, uh, write songs that can be simple enough, witty enough, um, honest and revealing. And and then there's also, he's got different aspects of of the songs or writing songs with Wilco and having experimental tunes and tracks and sounds. Mm. And so he, you know, he can really dial it down to the most simple. Oh my God. Of of expressions and that I think says a lot. You know, the song that he wrote for uh, Mavis, uh, "You're Not Alone." I mean, that is just a beautiful song. And again, that spirit of collaboration and
0: that—that's
1: one of my faves. I mean, that just that collaboration, that song, the time. Yeah, and um, and I think that the world could use more of that. And I'm definitely a big. Fan of that, and yeah, and we've been doing that That's for it. for many years, and I think that one of the reasons why we probably don't connect with audiences in the United States is is because there is so many other influences and elements, and um, so I, I've been thinking that, well, maybe I should really focus more on collaborations within the United States and go to Memphis, Tennessee, you know and You know one of the places that I've been to in the past and love it love the history of the music there and and the culture and people or or you know or I don't know go back to LA or something
0: you don't feel like you connect with US audiences the way that you connect with overseas audiences
1: it feels like that at times uh Yeah. yeah I think so that's interesting at times I mean there's pockets that feel pretty good um west coast has always been really good and and felt like we connected with with a diverse audience you know yeah like seeing that diversity i think in the past we've toured with bands that that have been really great and they've maybe been more similar in a way in that indie rock vein and it would be nice to to try some things because there's a lot of great scenes in and around the united states and uh it's kind of fun sometimes to show up where you feel like you don't belong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
1: see what kind of and see what kind of what kind of connections can be made.
0: But you have done a bunch of collaboration with um, like Sam for Iron and Wine. Yeah. You were fucking Grammy nominated. That's pretty pretty great. <laughs> um, yeah, sweet, sweet. And it felt like that to a just from an outsider's perspective. I mean, you you. I felt like you were touring that album forever.
1: A lot, yeah. We did a good, solid run.
0: So that must have been... I mean, I feel like that was really landing.
1: It definitely helped, and we almost got to Australia.
0: <laughs> I know. It's so sad.
1: <laughs> I really wanted that to happen, and I was writing to our, <laughs> our booking agent friend, Paul Sloan. I'm like... And he yeah. and he's so great, and Paul just... He, he knows. Is great. And I was hoping it was going to happen, and it just... I think at a certain point we we did a lot of touring, and, and I think we kind of felt like, well, you know, maybe we should just kind of cut it here. And we yeah. finished in uh, February sixteenth uh, of this year, twenty twenty. And then we said, hey, let's do one more tour in the summer with Andrew Bird and Iron Wine Calexico and some other guests, and then yeah. You know, couldn't do
0: it you had to cancel
1: yeah and it, I think we're, we're trying to see if it'll happen in, in the following year but I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen but it was fun getting together you know, in New York uh, we all got together and we played backstage just to make a little video of playing on the road again by Willie Nelson as sort of like a little promo and it was really fun
0: just yeah. hanging out
1: because we had done maybe like I think we just did one show together in Boston and we were just having the best time backstage and then we just thought, hey, we should do this again.
0: Well, maybe one day you'll, um, you'll get to take that, that project to Australia. would be special to see. I sure would. So you, you mentioned earlier that you grew up in California. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your first interests in music? And like, did you have a time in, in your life where you were like, this is what I want to do? I want to play music.
1: Oh, yeah, early on, I was just a kid. I, I've always loved music. My mom sings beautifully and plays piano. So she was sort of you know the first live musical influence. And then I've got two older brothers that play guitar and and we all took piano lessons. So there was a lot of music in the house and spent a lot of time listening to vinyl with headphones and and really listening, paying attention. And then what you were know,
0: you listening to?
1: whatever, you know, whatever was in the house. So it was, um, and the radio too. I listened to the radio. Um, so early on, it was probably more classic rock. And then as I got into high school, it was more eighties on the, and then maybe some of the punks, uh, college station nearby. But, uh, you know, the first concert I went to was kiss at the Los Angeles forum with cheap trick. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And I was uh, nine years old I was my my daughter's age. I went to this big, massive, wow. smoky, violent show. <laughs> there were <laughs> fights breaking out all night. It was so crazy. And I was just talking to my oldest brother John before before you and I called, and uh, I was asking, how did we get there? I mean, you know you I was nine, you were probably twelve. You know, how did we get there? Like, did Mom and Dad drop us off or something? you know
0: you what? super? We we're trying to figure it out. You didn't have an adult no. with you? Wow. Yeah, we
1: got the tickets. We went into the circus, you know. it's just... Wow. No. See, no. I
0: I desperately wanted to go and see Guns N' Roses when I was mm. about nine. Uh, Where was my that? Bro- um, in Melbourne at Albert Park. So it was this massive okay. outdoors thing. And Mirko got to go. He, I think he took like five of his friends and my dad drove them all there and went with him. And I was yeah. so jealous because I loved everything that my brother loved obviously so i was really yeah. into guns and roses and i and i didn't get to go because i was nine i mean that's very young and i was a girl and you know it would, would have been yeah. a rough time but it was like it was guns and roses skid row and a- angry anderson or something <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't get to go but tell me about I your know. show
1: well i mean it was great I mean, it was super fun. You know, I've been listening all this time and just, you know, and that's the thing too. I am the third, I'm the third child. So my 2 brothers got to do a lot and told me all about, you know, the shows that they saw.
0: Yeah. They
1: could stay up late and watch, you know, the the live bands on TV and I had to go to bed. I mean, so I was Gypped. eager to jump in and play. So... I think because it was sort of pulled back or because I knew there's something out there that I couldn't go see, it made me really want to go even more. Yeah. And I wanted to be a drummer and my parents oh. said no drums in the house. So, um, but yeah, you know, going to see the live music was, was great. It's exhilarating. And then I wound up telling, you know, my school and some kind of like a show and tell, you know, the following week or something, you know, Oh, I did the show and, this is what I saw. And my teacher kind of nodding like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and uh, my aunt was, or one of my, my dad's cousins was a writer for the L.A. Times. And so we would just pester her with questions about the, her, her colleague, Robert Hilburn, who was a writer for the, for the arts and music department. Like, you know, tell us. What does he know? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were so, you know, hungry for like music and live music and seeing it done because we're listening to it constantly. And so that's what kind of inspired me. I got into it.
0: Amazing. So
1: um, I got to see a lot of great shows. Some of the, my favorites were seeing Peter Gabriel on the Security Tour. Great. That was one of the most you know amazing shows and albums, I think. And I saw Bruce Springsteen, The River. Um, what else did I see? I saw The English Beat um I saw the Smiths play at the Hollywood Palladium the first time they came to LA
0: wow Um,
1: that was a really fun one you know I really got into them I saw REM a bunch I was the I was the biggest REM fan and waited to meet them and get an autograph or give them whatever music I had made at the time and did you do it and oh yeah yeah sure
0: that's awesome
1: and um I mean, it was R.E.M. and Elvis Costello. My brother and I, we saw Elvis Costello in the attractions. I think it was on the either Blood and Chocolate Tour or maybe Spike, something in in the 80s. And uh, my brother and I, um, we kind of just hid out in the bathroom and sat up on the toilet so nobody could see us. (laughs) And then we snuck down, and as the band was leaving, we got to just say hello, and it was fun.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. I love those stories. And everybody yeah. was nice to you?
1: Everybody was nice except for uh, this one guy that I met. I think I was writing to you about it yesterday. When I was in high school, I played in the jazz band. Yes. And we played the Hollywood Bowl. It was the Playboy Jazz Festival. And I got to meet my, you know, my, my bass, you know, uh, hero, Jaco Pastorius, And he was just out of it. And it was not, it was not a, a good situation. Damn it. Yeah, and I felt bad for him, you know, because I saw, you know, sort of the downward spiral taking effect. Yeah. And and it was just that.
0: You had kind of a, a... You were putting yourself in his shoes. You had a sort of a, a feeling that it wasn't his fault. He was troubled and that's why he was mean to you.
1: I, I could see that he had issues, yeah. Yeah. That in addition to his personality... And, I I mean, uh, it was, I don't know if I called it anything other than just him being kind of like, you know, trippy. Yeah. But he was seriously manic and and bipolar and then mixed with alcohol. I mean, he was just drinking vodka straight and just, just crazed backstage. And um, he called our whole jazz band into his dressing room to rehearse, uh, playing the star spangled banner. And it was just chaotic and confusing. And he gave, uh, one of our, our band members, this kind of Rasta hat, he goes, I don't care what your band director says, you wear this hat. Puts it on Mark. And Mark Turner looks at me. He's like, you like this guy? And he said, this is, I got this hat from Bob Marley, you know. And then I was like, all right, whatever. So um, the next day, Mark said, hey, um, uh, you can have the hat. I don't need it.
0: Did you keep it? Like, thanks.
1: Yeah, I did. Aww. It's in a box. <laughs> in Tucson somewhere.
0: Still a hero.
1: But, um, but, you know, I think that the takeaway for me was just like, Hey, you know, it's important to, to really um, help kids, you know, kind of get to see behind the scenes with music. And so Mm. when I'm on tour, it's if a friend or if any kids are at the show or want to come to soundcheck, we try to get them on stage and get them behind the drums or show them Show them uh, the music up close, you know.
0: That's so lovely. I don't yeah. think many bands would do that. Yeah,
1: maybe not. But uh, again, you know, like as you're getting older too, you you have kids, and then they want to see stuff, or they at least want to experience it. Like, it's interesting for me when Genevieve says, like, "Hey, so, um, you know, when you perform again, can I be on stage?" I'm like, or go on tour. I'm like, "Yeah, but what do you want to do?" She goes, "Well, I want to be in charge of the costumes." And- <laughs> and the dance i'm like great we could definitely use some help in that category
0: that's so great so next time i see you and you're dressed like a unicorn i'll know why
1: totally i'm (laughs) gonna have like the unis like sparkly kind of like the bob log the third kind of sparkle lame suit (laughs) dancing i'm ready there's definitely a part of me that can love to get down it's usually when i'm in the kitchen
0: yeah, well, I'm I'm really excited to see the costume and dance. <laughs> yeah. On the next two. Right. Ones. I I would be I'd be happy to assist in any way I can for that as well.
1: Well, you're quite you're quite talented. You can you have a great imagination. You probably would be a good person to bounce some of those ideas off of. I
0: can I can make tiny felt versions of whatever she wants.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, let's get our, our stage model set up. Yeah. I still do that. I still I still sketch out before a tour or a record I will sketch out all right, So this is where the, the drums are going to be and it looks exactly like the drum set that I drew when I was in fourth grade, you know. Like yes. there's the drums. Okay, this time the drums are going to be on the side and then the <laughs> bass is going to be over here. Oh, the trumpets right there. You know, I'm drawing That's the so vibraphone great. and <laughs> it's so it's I love, I love I love doing that. That little doodling.
0: Is, that, the, is that what you, the tech specs that you send to the production manager? Oh, no,
1: no, no. I should though. That would be great. They would love it. Here's
0: Joey's drawing of where the drums are, where the mics good need luck. to be. Yeah, <laughs> good
1: very luck very
0: accurate portrayal of a vibraphone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To scale. Okay. Yeah.
0: I really wanted to talk to you a little bit um, before I ask you my final question about you were really influenced by punk rock and um, like in the early days. And I feel like, you know, you've talked a little bit about Kiss and you've talked a bit, a bit about like some other, you know, Willie Nelson and big influences, but we haven't talked about this like raw music, you know, like raw recordings.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, my favourite punk band, the, the one that really kind of got my ear was the one that was most eccentric and kind of eclectic, um, the Minutemen. Yeah. They were my favorites. You know, they could touch on so many different styles and things. And it seemed like the lyrics and the vocals uh, were the focal point. But the music also carried a big component to that. And, and it wasn't all one thing. You know, um, I felt like some punk rock... It was just really predictable and that to me seemed to be the opposite representation of something that could be raw or something that could be really uh, free and, and, and powerful and um, so uh, I tended to drift more towards melody on one hand <laughs> in the 80s but um, I really I was coming up I was Coming out of that and going into uh, stuff that could be more raw, mm. and and tonally, I I think, you know, having studied some of the the later classical music too, with um, with atonality being really uh, impressive, or twelve tone or experimental like with Stockhausen. I mean, that stuff was was really exciting. Mm. Um, just to kind of hear that and that expressionist aspect to some of the, the classical music and then how it kind of bridged to um, you know some elements of punk or whatever kind of free jazz and um, and I was able to kind of play a little bit of all of that in some way or another and I was really you know into improvisation always um, loved just you know seeing what kind of new things could come up and I think that to me is a it's I think it's with punk rock it could that could be a challenge in some ways, but it can all, I think that's where my favorite aspects of punk rock come from is when, when there is minimalism, right? Like I can only play so much, but I want to get out this emotion. Mm. And so, and these words. And so that to me is, is really exciting. So like, you know, a singer like Joe Strummer is really powerful or Shane McGowan, you know, beautiful lyrics. And I love the way he sings. Now it's not, necessarily appealing or pleasing but there's something really beautiful in the chaos in his voice yeah i talk about um,
0: that a lot actually because i mm -hmm. i love singers that aren't necessarily classically trained i think that especially Mm -hmm. when i was growing up and i think this is what i was alluding to before with with minutemen is you -hmm. know it's it's music that's exciting regardless of if it's like necessarily classically great you know or like yeah so i i've always really loved that stuff too like uh, stephen malcolm yeah. is one of my favorite singers and he you know totally. if i played that totally. to my mom my mom would probably be like oh he's he can't sing but i think he he yeah. can sing his heart out you know
1: great singer and yeah. pavement is such an incredible band taking a lot of those um you know similarities to some some artists and styles of music that don't normally always fit under the same umbrella. Mm. And so like, you know, a sense of humor, a sense of chaos, a sense of wit, a sense of storytelling, a sense of, you know, beautiful poetry and um, and things falling in together, but then allowing for some of that dissonance to hold hold court. Yeah. Even, it's so exciting. you know, on the same song.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Sonic Youth is a big fan oh, of yeah. them. And, you yeah. know, and I love sort of that sort of chance that occurs and talk about tunings I mean good lord and, Yeah, <laughs> you know the guitar tunings and the hypnotic quality you know connects with Terry Riley and, and some of that um, really hypnotic trance like patterns that occur in music and so at a, a certain point after I graduated from college and so you know I, I studied jazz I was playing garage rock and kind of improv and was loving folk and and rock and, and, you know, more, um, maybe crafty punk rock in a way. Um, I started playing free jazz trio in L.A. with these two older guys. And that was really fun, just to really like to sit down and go, OK, let's just play and see what happens. It's not like it's not like here's my song, here's my lyrics. Let's just play, and create some music and see where this will go. I mean, we might remember a couple ideas, but it it was such a an interesting. I think back to that some of those rehearsals that we did because we never played out. You know, um, one of the guys was sort of a uh, like a, a prepared guitarist, alto sax player, and and we would just play in his uh, his studio flat, and we just get together, hang out, talk, and and just play music it was uh and then it was like well maybe we should do something and, yeah maybe we should and then we never did and but i do have some i do have some cassette recordings that he made me of some of those sessions and
0: uh oh that's so cool but
1: the raw thing is is great and, and then playing in giant yeah. sand was fun because we got to do more improvisation and more experiments with distortion and noise and loved it and And uh, we could do dynamically a lot of great things. And I think that's where I think the power of the live show is you're only as good as your dynamics are.
0: Definitely. I feel like that's such a big part of your history. Mm -hmm. And the reason why Calexico is so dynamic and and so interesting is because you've got this sort of yeah, you've got this jazz punk indie rock background mm-hmm. and, it and it, I think it all comes out in Calexico if you're yeah. paying attention. Yeah.
1: And, and I, and I totally know that there are some people that all they want is like a party song. And, and I've heard various you know comments here and there. And, and I think the next record is just going to be that it's just going to be 40 minutes of a party and just for, for the sake of doing it and just to like, let's just do that. You know, why not? And, um, I mean, I'm gonna try to make it as weird as I can too, right? Right. I mean, what what can I put in there that you know will just feel a little off?
0: Well, if you need any weird synthesizers, let me know. I
1: sure will. I sure <laughs> will. We're gonna have to have a little uh, a little lesson for me. I'll help you with lap steel. Yeah. And you can help me with synths. Great. Deal.
0: Deal. <laughs> Hey, um, Joey, I, I want to ask you my very last question, which is the question that I ask everybody. Um, what is your strangest show experience?
1: Yeah, what is my strangest show experience? I well, know you've it was got a day, a day lot. off. <laughs> I know I've got a lot. And um, <laughs> the strangest show experiences was um, when I was in Giant Sand, our, our Italian promoters told us that. Um, Blixa Bargel is quite a foodie and had been down there and was inquiring where to get some good truffles.
0: A blixa from from Ein, Einstürzende Neubauten.
1: Neubauten, yeah, yeah. And Bad Seeds. And so I was like, cool. I never had truffles. And so unfortunately, we didn't have time on that tour. So the next time I came through was on a Calexico tour. And we mentioned it to the promoters. Hey, at some point, we would love to go get some, some truffles. And... uh and the whole band and the whole crew, it was like 13 of us, including the bus drivers, so 14. We all went to a restaurant in Italy. I forget which town. It must have been close to the coast because so we wound up at the beach afterwards. So we probably, you know, just said, let's go get lunch and then go to the beach. So we all, and it was in, the, you know, probably early summer. We find a restaurant and it was sort of arranged by the promoter and... Some of, the, some of the crew are vegan, some are vegetarian, some are omnivores. And so we, we get like all these starters and we're just sitting there for a long time, right? They come out, they're kind of assessing our needs, our wants, truffles, yeah, 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 no worry, don't worry about it, it's gonna come, don't worry. So yeah. we have all these starters, it must've been an hour it had gone by already. And then finally the first plate arrives of truffles. Just simple black truffles, you know, uh, grated with some, on some pasta. Really simple. So you just get like this beautiful kind of nutty flavor and this kind of, this you know, the sensation of truffles. Like, oh, yeah. perfect. I'm full. That was great. Like, oh, no, 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 no. There's more coming. Like, what? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And then from there, plate after plate after plate. For the whole table of just truffles with uh with fish truffles on eggs um you know, <laughs>
0: what?
1: this has a hint of truffle you know and then <laughs> I mean it was just it was it was great but it was way too much food but we felt you know obliged like hey we're paying for this we really wanted to experience this this is like the first time we've ever had truffles so we just we went for it and we sure. were so super happy, but also just kind of like, we just feel like, I don't know, we must have had some, like, it was very traumatic in some ways too. And so, traumatic. yeah, in a way, you know, it was, it was crazy, but we survived and we, let's go to the beach. All right, great. We just slowly walk as this big horde to the beach. We get to the beach and the beach has these umbrellas and it looks like, you know, there's some room for us to go down on the coast or to the, to the shore. And, People are like, uh-uh-uh, you can't go there. You have to pay. I'm like, what? Not where I come from. And like, well, I'm sorry. So our friends who were the promoters, they said, hey, I know a place. It's just down the coast. We've got a couple cars. We'll go down there. Go down to the coast. We park. Everyone's walking in their beach tire, flip-flops, and we're walking through this field. And it's sort of partially there's a path. I lose a flip-flop, so I'm kind of hopping along and it's like this wild cane and it's very hard to see where we are but eventually I kind of see a little light <laughs> and the light is a, is like a little bushfire starts oh. up I'm like what the heck so this whole day just kind of took a strange turn and there was this little like a wildfire right there and we're just kind of like who do we call <laughs> nobody had cell phones back then this is yeah. quite a few years ago so eventually some firefighters came and our Dutch audio engineers started getting into a fight with them. I don't know why, but everyone was full and maybe drunk and it was just this crazy scene. So we're like, you guys, get get out of there. Come on. There's a fire and you're fighting with the firefighters. <laughs> why? And I don't even not want to know why. Just let's go. Truffle so we panic. finally get to the coast. Truffle panic, <laughs> truffle overload. So we finally make it to the beach and we're just having a great time. And then we're about ready to like go and we're like, well, how do we get home? Like, you know, oh. we were just, I think we were sort of stranded there because the cars were quite a ways away. We had to walk. And then because of the fire, our oh, path. couldn't
0: get to it.
1: Yeah. It was blocked. So, Damn. <laughs> so it just turned into this long day and, and it was a beautiful experience in the end. And, <laughs> And one of the the Dutch soundmen said, you know, I think that every tour we should have an adventure like this (laughs) (laughs) where we do something kind of different.
0: (laughs) Eat your body weight in truffles, find a wildfire, get lost, can't get back.
1: Get get lost (laughs) and just like drift, drift (laughs) off into the, the sunset. It was, and I thought, you know what, you're right. Every tour should have something like this where it's, has nothing to do with the music or the shows and there's sort of an adventure whenever we do have something like that you know for whatever reason it just makes for a much better tour you have that memory and I will never forget that you know and that (laughs) and then for I think the following year whenever I had a birthday on tour and of course I got a book on truffles
0: oh that's nice (laughs) And what a lovely story to, like, make sure that you have an adventure every time you go on tour.
1: Totally, you know, and it's not about that destination, whether it's yeah. the music and the recording or the show itself. It's about, I mean, people go to shows because they want to see, you know, Johnny Marr, you know, somebody grabs his hat and then, you know, jumps off the stage or something, you know, like, you know, or there's just it's those moments that are spontaneous. Yeah. And it's important to allow for that stuff to factor into a, a show or an experience or or just being with your family or your friends. Yeah.
0: What I love about this story is that it's kind of a positive story. I've had two positive ones in a row now, so that's lovely.
1: <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I mean, it, I think it goes back to that whole thing that I talked about in the beginning. It's like you can look at situation from many angles and I, I've certainly been with other people who... Pick up on the negative and it be, and myself. I mean, we talked about that too. I mean, it's you can kind of get burdened by by negativity or your own thoughts, and so I think mm. it's important to kind of really try to just see that that other perspective, and um, and it's a work's it's a life's progress of of trying to to work on that. But with others, it's kind of easy, right? Like we, as a group, when we're touring as the band and crew, it's um, we're just one family, right? So we, we love kind of making fun of each other and especially yeah. the tour manager who's kind of like his job is to corral us. We love just kind of like, you know, piling on top of him and just <laughs> telling him, would you just stop? Just, you don't have to work now. It's like, let us handle this. Like, don't go to the ticket counter. All right. Like you go get a coffee,
0: just Aww. go
1: get a coffee. We're going to do this for you because you stress out. So we want to help you, you know? and yeah. then, And that's where it kind of comes together as, as like a, even when we're not touring. Yeah. We, we kind of play those roles online and it's just really sweet.
0: That's and believe me, we've had
1: many situations, like this example I gave you in the story, of where people are not at their best and, and yeah. I think we've all been there for each other because we can relate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What a beautiful yeah. note to finish on. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and it was just, so nice to see you
1: we had to wait for a pandemic to hit before we could get our (laughs) our technology our schedules and we needed laura thank you laura for coordinating because of time zones and (laughs) she really she helps out a lot i'm
0: so happy that we managed it
1: anytime that was so much fun